Jewish Latin Princess, episode 24, Nomi Freeman, expert in near-death experiences. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Yael Trush, your host. And I have for you, uh, Nomi Freeman, you asked that we should air in English. And here we are. We didn't want you to miss out because this is amazing content and super timely and relevant to listen to right before Rosh Hashanah, where a time where we are reflecting, we're definitely reflecting and perhaps thinking of how to improve ourselves. Hopefully we are. And the message today um, will definitely help you with that introspection and make better choices. I mean, what would it take for you to totally turn your life upside down? I don't know, do an entire 360. How would you change your life if you could suddenly see all the far-reaching consequences of everything you've ever done? Today's guest, Nomi Freeman, has interviewed hundreds of people who have experienced close encounters with death. Well, more than close, they've actually died and come back. And she has found through her interviews that those who have had near-death experiences often report going through a life review in which they see the ripple effects of all their behaviors. Impactful, right? Thank you, Nomi Freeman, for joining us again. Nomi is the daughter of the renowned Argentinian Kabbalist, Professor Avram Polichenko of Blessed Memory. She is a sought-out speaker on spirituality and Jewish mysticism and has become an expert in this topic of NDE, lecturing about it all over the world. In fact, Nomi was, like I said, was already here with us in a fabulous episode in Spanish, and by request of my listeners, we made it into an English episode. So here we go. Thank you, Naomi, for your grace in agreeing to do this again. We talk about what prompted her to embark on this comprehensive study. Is it creepy for her? I mean, it is kind of an eerie topic. What can we learn about our behavior and our observance of mitzvot now in this world, in our lives? Hopefully, we won't have to leave and come back, right? We're learning from other people. Are there any differences between the NDEs of Jews and non-Jews? Has she had one of these experiences? Are you in suspense yet? I am. Here's Nomi Freeman. Nomi Freeman, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. A pleasure to have you here Thank again you. for the second time. <laughs> Thank you, Yael. I'm so excited to be back with you. It's just, always a pleasure to talk with you. Just to set the stage for everybody, Naomi Freeman has been on the show before. She was my guest then in Spanish, talking all about near-death experiences, which we will talk about today. And since so many of you requested that you wanted to, you didn't want to be left out, and this topic was so interesting to you, um, uh, Naomi grac graciously accepted to come and talk to us about it again in English. So here we are today, and we're going to talk all about this obscure topic with Naomi. And so I want to start okay. with you, Naomi, were not, you have, you've had a career for many, many years as a renowned speaker and teacher of Jewish mysticism. 
yet your focus in the past around, I guess, five years has been this obscure topic of near-death experiences. What brought you to that? What attracted you to delve deeply into this topic and start teaching it? So I I just found it so fascinating. Everybody wants to know what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. What's on the other side of life? What's in the other world? What is beyond the years that we live on, on this planet? And I just find it fascinating. When I first encountered near-death experiences, they gave me so many answers, and the answers were so excited that I, exciting, I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading about it. So basically, uh, it was quite a few years ago, maybe even 30 years ago, the New York Times ran an article on near-death experiences. And I remember a story that was there about a nurse whose patient coded, uh, he, he had a heart attack, and the nurse ran out to get medication from the pharmacy and and uh, brought back the medication, injected the patient, and brought him back to life, his heart restored. The next day, the patient regained consciousness, and when he saw this nurse, he mm. said, thank you for saving my life. Mm. And the nurse couldn't believe it. How did he know? Like, really, he was dead, and then he was unconscious. So she asked him, "How? how my, my, what makes you think that he was myself? And he said, well, after, after my heart stopped, I found myself hovering above my body, close to the ceiling in the, in the hospital room. And then you came in running when the alarm sounded, and then I saw you running out of the room. And I followed you because I trusted you. Wow. So I followed you. You ran down the hallway. You got to the elevator. The elevator was taken. So you ran down the stairs. You got into the pharmacy. You called the pharmacist by his name. And he told her the name of the pharmacist. You asked for this medication, and he told her the name of the medication. Then you grabbed it. You ran out. The elevator was there at the time. You went into the elevator, went up the stairs, came into the room, injected me, and I felt myself pulled, like sucked back into my body. So I was with you. Yes. So that was a very exciting story in that article in the New York Times. And that article spoke about the process of the near-death experience, how the people found themselves above their bodies, and then after a little while, they traveled across the tunnel. There was a light at the end of the tunnel. They were fascinated and drawn to the light. The light was all loving and peaceful and to the joy, and they wanted to join this light. Then some people spoke about a life review. Some people spoke about dead relatives who came to greet them. They mentioned that these relatives or friends who had passed before them were there, but they were pushing with their hands, like signaling Hmm. with their hands, pushing them away and saying to them, go back, it's not your time. Go back, it's not your time. And they understood that they had to return through the tunnel back to the world. So this was in the article, but then the, the, the core of the article or the, what fascinated me the most was that people talked about this loving, living light that they met, which they understood to be the creator of the universe. Hmm. And it was, it was conveying to them the most beautiful, infinite, unconditional love and a feeling of peace and calm and joy. And they really, really, really loved being there. And many of the people said that in, in the presence of the loving, living light, 
they were asked a question. And the question was, what did you do with the life I gave you? Wow. And that really, yeah, that changed them to the core. And when they came back, they worked to change their life to be, to be living in tune with the love and the joy and the spirituality that they had encountered in that world. So it ends so up, that's what got end, me into it, yes. So it ends up being a transformative experience. These people actually transform their lives when they come back? Absolutely, Yael. Many of these people will have a very different life, including people who will change their profession, Oh, wow. who will change their lifestyle, including, uh, I'm not just talking about criminals, who come back and become benefactors, who come back and start, start volunteering at hospices. But even there was a policeman who had a near-death experience and he could not continue being a policeman because he said, I was no longer able to hold a gun in my So he became a teacher. Wow. Wow. Mm. So it's a very transformational experience. And people turn around 180 degrees People who used to be selfish become very, very giving and kind and altruistic. So absolutely, yes. So are these My, experiences custom made or are they different? What, what do they share in common and in what ways do they differ? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, in common, there is a certain pattern that not all, but the majority of people follow, which is... Uh, first, finding themselves hovering above the body. Second, traveling through a tunnel. Uh -huh. Then emerging into a world of light. And then you sort of branch out in different directions. Some people talk about a life review. Some people talk about meeting their relatives. Some people talk about beings of light, which we sort of understand to be angels. Uh, spiritual beings that emit light and you don't see any bodies, but they communicate with the person having the experience, they communicate telepathically. And the lucky few that were in the presence of the, their loving living light, which mm -hmm. is the creator, they had a very, very joyous experience. Now, this is the majority of cases. There are many exceptions, but that's usually the pattern. Now, the experience is custom designed because everybody has something different. Than yeah. others, like most people will experience the tunnel as a dark tunnel going towards a point of light. One woman I spoke to told me that in her tunnel, there were churning psychedelic lights, which mm. was very interesting. And other people said they did not meet their, their relatives. Not everybody had a life review. Some people encounter other beings. Some people are given a message. For instance, there was this man who was a self-made millionaire and he just loved making money. He mm -hmm. didn't need any more money because mm -hmm. there's only so many millions you can use, but he just did it for the fun of it. He was working for the fun of it, making more and more money. And this man, um, this man became sick. He had pneumonia and he was living alone. His pneumonia got worse and worse, and he realized that he better do something. He took himself to the hospital. By the time he arrived in the emergency, he was so sick that they put him in a wheelchair, and as they were taking him across the hallway in the hospital, he died. And he felt himself rising and flying, and in his experience, he met three beings of light, 
mm-hmm. and he understood that the one in the center was more important or wiser than the other two, and they, the other two deferred to this one in the center. But all three angels or beings of light were showering him with such infinite amounts of love, incredible, incredible love, that he said he felt he was soaked in love through and through and so, so empowered with this love. And, and, and in this experience of love, they told him, you are very, very talented, but you are not using the gift of talents that you were given in the right way. You are wasting your talent. Mm. So basically, they gave him that message. And when he came back, they told him, go back and use your talent um, in a better way. And they didn't specify. But he was so powerfully affected by the love he received that when he came back, he realized that love is at the core of everything. As soon as he recovered, he picked up the phone and started mm-hmm. calling all of his business acquaintances and apologizing to them because he was a tough businessman who was not always kind. (laughs) And uh, people were actually afraid of him in the business. And he started calling each person and and, and he said that he felt when they picked up the phone and they heard his voice, people would shiver because (laughs) they were in awe of him. And he would say to them, I'm sorry, so-and-so, I'm calling you to apologize. Because I think that the last time we spoke, I was not very loving to you. And the people would just go quiet. They had nothing that they could think or say. They were so shocked to hear Mm -hmm. this. So he apologized to everybody. He left his business. He moved into a more modest apartment. He got a more modest car. He left all the glamorous life. And he trained to become a counselor so he could devote his life to help people. Wow. Totally gave up the business and the millions and everything was just like gone. So yes, so it's very, very transformational. So so it's a gift. He was given a gift, which makes mm-hmm. me wonder Absolutely. why? Why do some of them come back? What is what is the purpose? Not not everybody gets that. What, what do you think is the purpose behind this? Well, I've been asking myself the question all these years. Uh, I would suspect that this gift is a message from from the divine is a message from the creator to us little people here mm-hmm. that because in other generations we have greater we have great leaders we have prophets we have a much more spirituality and we live in a very misguided and materialistic world so our creator is communicating to us through these people who have the experience that the purpose of life is not what we think it is sometimes. It is not money and career and fame, but there are other things. She's love and kindness and giving and altruism, which is our real purpose. And that's where our energy should be focused. Right. And there are sources in Torah for, 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 this, for this, what you've studied, right? Yes, absolutely. It is mentioned in the Zohar. It is mentioned in the Talmud. For instance, in the Zohar, it tells us that whatever you cleave to, whatever you are enthusiastic about and you devoted your life to when you were in the physical world, Mm -hmm. you repeat that in the spiritual world. They give you more of the same. This is what you like. Okay, we give you this. 
So if a person was materialistic and devoted themselves exclusively to making more and more money, acquiring more and more power and so on, and didn't use it in the proper way, well, they give the, they get the same thing there, but there is like, ooh, who wants this? Like, what do you do with money in a spiritual world, right? It's like garbage rotting in your backyard. So while money is necessary and we should work and make money in this world, but it's not what should be our greatest excitement in life. Mm-hmm. And the money is there in order to for us to use for good things and to help others. But people who were kind and loving and looking at who can I help, what I can I can I volunteer, who can I give this to and and the like, those people you know, they have so much light in the other world because those are the things that really matter. Nomi, you mentioned before very briefly life reviews, that some of the people get these life reviews. What are these life reviews Correct. like? What, what is it? An entire replay of your life? What happens during these life reviews? Yes, it is a replay of life in amazing, fascinating detail. People say there were things there that I had long forgotten and small details of my, my life were featured in my life review. Um, in full color and full detail. So you do, you see your life from birth to death and every single action and, and sentence and even thoughts are found there. You even see your intentions and intentions are as obvious as actions. So people like, I have a very, very thorough life review. The most powerful part of the life review is that people feel the emotions that we're present in every experience and they feel those emotions from the perspective of the receiver. In other words, an individual dying and going to the other world has a life review in which they feel every emotion they caused, every person they ever interacted with. And that changes them to the core. Wow. Wow. That is so, so powerful. Yes, because you will see that uh, very kind, uh, very kind people give a lot of happiness and joy to others. So they feel all that joy and happiness coming back to them. They feel it in their own being. And they understand that this is going to be in their destiny forever. People who were selfish on the other hand and didn't consider others, they don't have such a good time in their experience. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned before about light and how it's very common that they see light at the end of the tunnel or they feel mm-hmm. they feel that being in the presence of these beings who, who have light. And, you know, sometimes we, we, in Yiddishkeit, in Judaism, we talk about light all the time. Hashem is the or ends of the infinite light and right. we're supposed to bring light into right. this world. And with each mitzvah, we're bringing light. And yes. sometimes I say, you know, maybe mm-hmm. people are thinking that I'm talking about such abstract concept like what light but there you go that's the light (laughs) exactly exactly so since you mentioned this there are so many different kinds of lights they talk about and it's hard for us in our world to relate to it but i'll give you a general view of it first of all they talk about being a world of light Uh okay so the whole world there is all light the other thing they talk about is the beings of light, which are entities of light without physical bodies, mm-hmm. which seem to be seem to be what we usually call angels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk about their being of light, the loving, living light, which is what they understand to be the creator. 
In addition to this, the people who had an MBE, they talk about their own life. They say, one woman, for instance, says, I went to the other world, I met other souls, uh-huh. and I noticed that every soul, every human soul has light, but not all of them had the same amount of light. So some, some people had a lot of light, and some people had some light, and some people had less light. Sort of like in this world, some people are poor, and some people are average, and some people are rich. Uh-huh. So she said, I looked at myself, and I thought, ooh, I wish I had more light. And she understood that she would acquire more light through good deeds. So she wow. came back to the world, yes, and she changed her life according to that. Wow. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. me, any difference between Jewish NDEs and the near-death experiences of non-Jews? So the pattern in general is very similar. The hovering, the tunnel, the life review, and so on. I found a, a couple of differences, though. Um, quite a number of Jewish people that I spoke to mentioned the Beit Din or the heavenly court or the tribunal mm-hmm. in front of whom they are judged. Mm-hmm. But n- some of them talked about being judged by watching this life review in front of this tribunal. And some of them said that the tribunal was judging just to see whether the person was going to stay in that world or come back to their body. So they were sort of assessing the person. And they also said that they felt at peace in front of this tribunal. They made them feel comfortable. And they felt that they were watching the movie and judging themselves rather than being judged. But that's basically one of the differences. Mm-hmm. The second difference that I found was the importance of Torah, learning Torah, and fulfilling the mitzvot, mm-hmm. which is only present in Jewish NDEs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, there is one amazing story that I heard straight from the mouth of Rabbi Mendel Glukowski. Rabbi Glukowski um, is originally from Toronto, but he moved to Israel and established a Chabad center. I believe it's in Rehovot. Mm-hmm. And he told he told us in Toronto how um, a woman by the name of Sarah came to him and said, Rabbi Glukowski, you know, this is Israel, and there are so, so many Torah classes in Hebrew, but I moved to Israel at an advanced age, and it's hard for me to understand Hebrew. I haven't been able to learn it so well. Would you be able to give a Torah class in English? So the rabbi said, well, sorry, please organize it. I will teach the class. So the lady did. She called the English speaker. She got them organized, and they made a Monday night class. Mm-hmm. This went on for years, and during those years, this little group became friends with each other and with the rabbi, and then eventually they had their own Hanukkah party, their own, their own Purim party. If they had issues, they came to the rabbi, and this went on for years. Then Sarah came one day to Rabbi Glukowski and said, Rabbi, I have come to say goodbye. Oh, oh no, says Rabbi Glukowski, what happened? And Sarah said, well, I, I, I'm advanced in years and I can no longer live alone. I need to move to Tel Aviv next to my son. So, you know, thank you very much for everything. And, you know, maybe I'll see you sometime in the future. So Sarah left. And for two years, the rabbi didn't hear a word from her. Mm-hmm. After two years... He gets a phone call from a man. It is Sarah's son. 
Mm-hmm. And, and Sarah's son tells the rabbi that his mother is in the hospital, in the intensive care unit. She had a stroke two days before, and she's been in a coma for two days. And and um, she woke up today, and when she opened her eyes, she asked for him, for Rabbi Glukowski. Where is Rabbi Glukowski? So Rabbi says, the son, would you please come see my mother? The doctors don't know how much longer she's got. So Rabbi Glukowski said, for sure. He jumps in his car and he drives to the hospital. And when he comes in, Sarah just breaks out in a beautiful smile. And Rabbi Glukowski says to Sarah, how are you feeling? And she says, oh, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. Rabbi, in the past two days, I have been to the other world and back here. And I want to tell you that when I was in that world, they showed me my crown. It is a beautiful crown. But Rabbi, the centerpiece, the beautiful stone in the middle of my crown, that is the Monday night class that I organized that you are teaching. So I wanted to tell you, Rabbi, please don't stop the Monday night Torah class. Wow. Now now it was Rabbi Glukowski who almost had a near-death experience because he was so shocked. <laughs> so he told her, he told the lady that, yes, he would continue the class. And shortly after he left, she actually passed away that same day. So she left us with this beautiful gift to know that a Torah class is so valuable. That was the centerpiece in her beautiful crown. I am assuming that the crown was made of her good deeds. I had never heard of such a thing before. Wow. But, yeah, that's what she described. Another person described seeing a a moving, uh, rolling Torah scroll, and he read the entire Torah in his experience. Again, you asked me about customized experience and Jewish experiences. So that, I, you know, from all the thousands of experiences that, that I've read or discussed with people or heard directly from them, only one person told me that he saw a moving, uh, rolling Torah scroll and he read the whole Torah. So sometimes people do have unique experiences. And definitely there is a Jewish element, a Torah and mitzvah element to the Jewish experiences. One more person that told me that not herself, but her mother had had a near-death experience. Uh-huh. And she told me after she lived in it, she told me my mother lived in Israel, she had an NDE. And after the experience, even though she was total observant before, after the experience, she became much more careful and, and punctilious with her, with her with that attention to mitzvot. So, yes, so that's a very Jewish side wow. of the end. Wow. Nomi, how do these people find you? You've interviewed so many people. I, I, you find them, they find <laughs> you. How does it work? <laughs> yeah, both. Okay, so I mentioned at the beginning that I had read the article in the New York Times uh-huh. many years ago. And a few years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, I came across a book by Dr. Block. Um, in which he talks about near-death experiences. Okay. Uh, it's called God, God, Rationality, and Mysticism by Dr. Block. And uh, an entire one-third of the book is about near-death experiences. So I read the book, and then he quotes other books, which I then read, and I started reading a lot about near-death experiences. And once I was like really soaked in it, 
I was so excited to share the message. I couldn't help it. I, I had to t- start talking about it. So, so I, I have given this lecture, I estimate about 120 times probably, wow. just this one topic. And yes, in, invariably, at the end of the presentation, one or two or three people will come over and tell me, I have an experience, my mother had an experience, my cousin had an experience, my best friend had an experience, uh-huh. and they tell me they tell me those NDEs, and that is how I got to interview so many people and hear their amazing stories. So it's a lot and more yes, they common. Are unique. It's a lot more common than we think. It is estimated that about five percent of the population has had a near death experience. So yes, it is very common. Millions of people have had it. So I should I should actually say that if anybody out there listening is who's listening to this has had such an experience or has a relative or a, or a friend who's had mm-hmm. such an experience, please yes. go ahead and contact Naomi or contact me and I will put you in touch um, so Absolutely. that you could share because obviously it is very, very important that, that these things are shared. And like you said before, mm-hmm. it's probably... Um, something that Hashem is giving us. It wants us to yes. learn a powerful lesson. And yes, I'm guessing probably absolutely. as we approach the days of uh, of Mashiach, of the Messianic era, this is one of the things that's unfolding um, before yes. our eyes, you know? Absolutely. Naomi, what? And I love hearing mm-hmm. it because just like you put a puzzle together with many pieces, yeah. so our understanding of life in this world and in the world to come is formed through putting together the puzzle. So the more experiences that I learn about, the more I understand and and the more I value it. Each experience is unique and from each one we have new things to learn. Exactly. And the learning is for us, it's so helpful for the rest of us who have not Mm -hmm. had it, but can now, like you said, put the entire puzzle piece you know, to whatever extent we can, we are still limited. We don't know Hashem's ways, but it just helps us gain a whole different perspective on our mission in this world, on our purpose, on the impact of our actions. What are other things that we learn from, from um, other lessons that we can extrapolate from these people's stories? Okay, so something just popped into my mind is, for instance, the power of forgiveness. Uh-huh. There is actually a, a Talmud story about Rabbi Krispidai, who who was very sick, and his friends came to visit him, and he passed away, and he came back to life, was going back a couple thousand years. So his friends, being gold sages, they were eager to learn from him, and they said, they said to him, "What did you see when you were in the other world, and why were you sent back?" And he said, well, they were judging me, and they said that since I had always been very forgiving, they were going to extend my life and grant me extra years. So so I was sent back and, and this, a new lease on life because I had always been very, very forgiving. So if somebody offended me or wronged me or whatever they did to me, I never mm-hmm. held grudges, and I was always forgiven. And also that he had devoted his life to learning Torah. Obviously, there are Many, many, many who devote their lives to learning Torah and everybody passes away. Um, in his particular case, the combination of learning so much Torah 
in being so forgiving, granted him extra years. So very powerful thing. Now going to another extreme, there is another person who talks about forgiveness, and he's not even Jewish, mm-hmm. but he had a near-death experience, and he was in the presence of a being of light, an angel, and the being of light told him, now I'm going to give you the opportunity to forgive everyone who hurt you and wronged you. And he said, oh, no, that's too hard because some people hurt me very badly and some people did terrible things to me. Mm-hmm. And the angel said, yes, but if you don't forgive them, you won't be able to rise any higher. <gasps> so he said at that point, I felt a wave of forgiveness rushing through me and I forgave everybody, no matter what they had done to me. And at that moment, the being of light and ice started rising and flying higher and higher and higher to a totally different, much more evolved plane. So the power of forgiveness, amazing. Amazing. So apropos now that um, as this episode comes out, we're going to be approaching um, Rosh Hashanah. Very, very, Mm -hmm. very powerful. Mm -hmm. Naomi, I know you haven't had a near-death experience yourself, but have you had anything similar, any experiences that come close to that? I have, I have had the visitations from the other world, yes. And that was part of what encouraged me to share the message with people. Mm. So you are correct. I did not have a near-death experience myself. But after my father passed away, I, um, I, I, was, I was missing him. I felt that I never had a chance to really say goodbye to my father because he died in an unexpected way. He was still young and unhealthy, uh, and, and suddenly, and suddenly he had appendicitis, which was misdiagnosed, and they took too long to realize that it was really appendicitis and actually do surgery. So by then it was too late, and a day after the surgery, he had a cardiac arrest and left us. So I was left with this feeling of, I never got to say goodbye. So um, on the 30th day after his passing, I stayed at his grave, Mm-hmm. Um, you're not supposed to go too often to the grave the first year, just in the burial, and 30 days later. So on this occasion, I stayed alone by my father's grave, and I did something that you're not supposed to do, <laughs> but I didn't know at the time. I was young, and I didn't know, and I said, you know, Father, I don't know if this is possible or if they will allow you, but I would like to see you again. I want to know that you are okay. Um, you're not supposed to do this because you're not supposed to disturb the soul of the departed, but I didn't realize that. In any case, I knew so many stories of people who had dreams, and in the dream they had seen a parent or a grandparent or even somebody else, an aunt and uncle, who was coming in the dream from the other world and giving them a message. So I was so much hoping for a dream in which my father would come and give me a message. Okay, I went to sleep that night very hopeful. I woke up in the morning and there had been no special dream. (laughs) I gave it one, two, three days a week, nothing. Okay, I gave up. I gave up and the project is not meant to be. (laughs) And I just forgot about it. I got busy with my life and raising my children. And that was that. A couple of months passed. We were living in Vancouver in those days, mm-hmm. and a rabbi from California, Rabbi Reichik, who was the first rabbi, the first Chabad rabbi that came to the West Coast, 
Rabbi Reichi came from Los Angeles to Vancouver to address and inspire our community. He was speaking one evening for the ladies, and we had a very large hall in the Chabad Center, and a large group of women sitting on chairs uh, set up in a U-shape. The rabbi was standing and talking at the open end of the U, and I was sitting and listening towards the center of the U across from the rabbi. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the lecture, suddenly and without any warning, my father appeared. He was hovering closer to the ceiling than to the floor, all the way at the other end of the large hall, behind the rabbi and to the side. And I was so emotional. My father had just passed away a short few months before, and here he was visiting me. At the same time, as I saw my father very, very clearly, at the same time, I was fully aware that there was no physical presence at all. It was just a spirit. I realized that if I would have been able to get up from the chair and walk across the room and stretch out my hand, there was nothing there to touch, only a spirit. So, so, so you're sitting there. You don't say anything. You just know that this is happening. Exactly. And then I felt very emotional, and I felt the tears rolling down my cheeks. Then, after a few seconds, once I had settled in the awareness that my father is present in this room with me, then he gave me his message, and he called me by my name. And he said, mind-to-mind message, know me, do as many mitzvahs as you can, because Mashiach is coming soon. And that was it. The message is still with me today, very strongly. And uh, after I accepted his message and I internalized it, he he vanished just as he had appeared. But I was left those words, very, very powerful words. This was 28 and a half years ago. Wow. This This is really just so powerful because... Yeah, it just shakes us up. And and like you said earlier, maybe this is the way we need a little bit shaking up about, you know, we have to do what we have to do and be mm-hmm. be mindful of why we're doing it and that every single action has a reaction. There's nothing that goes on. Yes, nothing goes, nothing goes unnoticed, nothing gets forget, forgotten, nothing disappears. And in the other world is a world of truth. It's called the world of truth. It's impossible to make excuses. It's impossible to fake intentions. Everything is open for everyone to see. Whatever we did, whatever we said, even our thoughts. So the love and the giving, that is what should be predominant. And that's what helps us evolve evolve and become beings of light ourselves, like the beings that we meet there. Wow. Naomi, I was um, um I want to wrap up and um I I was thinking I'm not going to do the JLP fill in the blanks just because you did them in Spanish before, but I said to myself, why okay. not? It's fun, and you might think of other things, or you might say the same thing. But let's yes, do it again. Something else might pop up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm yes. Naomi Freeman, and I feel most spiritual when in special places and special times. For instance, uh, praying in Yom Kippur. Mm. And praying in the praying in the tunnel next to the hotel, 
in that little spot in the tunnel that's closest to the Kodashim, the Holy yes. of Holies. Yes. And of course, praying in general, but there are times and there are spaces or places where you feel the spirituality more intensely because you know, there is especially holy days, especially holy places. So it assists you bring it out. But in general, I think, I think praying is the most spiritual time. Wow. So you connect to prayer a lot. I, I find that fascinating because I find for myself, it's such a hard thing on, if I'm really honest. <laughs> It is. Prayer is a hard thing. It is not an easy thing because we're not always, we're not always up to it. We're not always, prayer is work. But, but if we do pray every day, mm-hmm. when we are in the mood and we are, when we are not in the mood, then there are special occasions where the, when the prayer just, you know, shines through mm. and, and, uh, and you have your, your special moment of light. And prayer shows in your death experiences is an amazing thing. It's very, very powerful to change reality and to, and to really help. Yeah, which makes me think about, you know, all those WhatsApps that we get Davin for this one, Davin for that one. And for the most part, we sit down and we stop and we do it. But there are times when we don't. And, you know, it makes us remember how important it is to to do pray for others. And that story, even if you yes, even if you take a few seconds to say, you know, one chapter of Tehillim could be less than a minute. Exactly. And, and, And you're joining that that incredible group, each one of us being one little light, getting all together into an amazing, amazing, powerful light that could change reality. Exactly, exactly. Naomi, your favorite mitzvah or one that you feel most connected to, and maybe it is prayer, but is there another one? I think that my favorite mitzvah is probably learning and teaching Torah Mm. and perhaps perhaps giving tzedakah as well. Mm. But I feel that feel that my sole purpose is very connected to learning and teaching Torah and I definitely enjoy that very much yeah and 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 I'm I I would think it's the same for you but for myself the the best learning is when we're teaching just just teaching something is really oh for sure the highest you You have so much more clarity yeah when you are sharing it with others absolutely exactly exactly my fondest sweetest Jewish memory is my Friday night Shabbat dinners at my grandparents with the whole family together mm. around the table. And that was growing up in Argentina? Correct. Yes, very special. Very The nice. whole family together for Shabbos, yes. You mentioned tzedakah before. When you give tzedakah, what do you like to give to? I prefer to give to poor people. We have an obligation to give to our institutions, like our shul, our right. synagogue, our children's schools, the yeshivas, and so on. However, I love giving to the institutions that, su- that support the poor and especially the needy in Israel because, like, if we don't think of them, who's going to help them? So I love giving to Charity for Israel, um, which is which is run by Rabbi Glukowski of the story I told you before. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it goes to the right places. And it is also called El Chabad, which has, Soup yes. kitchens and help for many needy people in Israel. And in every city, uh, there is a Jewish organization that either has a soup kitchen or gives out food for Shabbos or gives out to the needy or, or the rabbi in your shul might know. So 
I like to make sure that I find the people who need it and put it where it's most, where it's most necessary. Yeah, yeah. I find that one of the wonderful things about today's connectivity and technology is that we get, you know, it's sad that we have to hear of these things, but on the flip side, we get to hear of so many people who are in need. And right away, at the click of a few buttons on your phone, you can mm-hmm, send money exactly. right away to literally a mother with children, you know, on another town, Absolutely. on another country. It's it's really Baruch Absolutely. Hashem. Absolutely. It's an yes. amazing there thing. Is also, yes, there is also the widows and orphans of Sahal mm-hmm. and the victims of terror sure. in Israel. Yes. I mean, there are so many. So many organizations that need to be helped and we should and we should help all of them. Yes, absolutely. Something I know you grew up in a very um strong home in terms of Yiddish guide, but perhaps there is something I'd like to ask the question anyway. Something I wish I had learned mm-hmm. about Judaism growing up is hmm, something I would have liked to know. Um, it's hard to know because I was a child, right? So your perspective as a child is mm-hmm. different than as an adult. I just, I just ask myself if my life would have been any different. Probably would have been different if I had known about the message of near-death experiences mm-hmm. much earlier. It probably would have made a difference. But I'm so grateful that. I did find out at whatever point I did. Yeah, and that you're doing a beautiful job spreading that powerful message, Nomi. Finally, I'm, I'm Nomi Freeman, and today I'm most grateful for... For having Hashem in my life, for my family, Baruch Hashem. And I feel that the gift to, to be able to teach Torah and share ideas with others that help all of us improve, I think that's a gift, and I'm very grateful to Hashem to give me this opportunity. And I'm grateful to you, yeah, to you Yael, for, you. for allowing me to reach out to more and more people and hopefully um, shed some light that will help all of us amen. evolve and become better in Mashiach. Amen, amen. And on that note, I'm going to brag a little bit about you. Whoever's out there and you want to bring Nomi Freeman to speak in your city, please reach out because uh, you're in for a treat. She's a great speaker. And this is a topic that everybody should be listening about. And I'm sure your communities will be wowed. And so go ahead and do that. And like I said before, anybody listening had a near death experience or knows of somebody who had one, please reach out and communicate, contact know me or contact me and I will put you in touch so that we could all benefit. Um, up, up from those stories and you can find Nomi you can find her at through Chabad.org many of the, her lectures are there she's published there and of course you can find Nomi on Facebook also right mm, correct all right Nomi thank you yes. so much this is such a pleasure thank you Yael thank it's you to talk to you I look forward to keeping in touch thank you be well all the best Thank you, Nomi Freeman, for stopping by again. You can find Nomi Freeman on Facebook at Nomi Freeman. And of course, you can find her videos on NDEs, as well as a lot of her writing on Jewish spirituality and mysticism at Chabad.org. And to everybody out there, if you or anyone you know has had one of these near-death experiences, please be in touch. I'll put you in touch with Nomi Freeman, uh, or you can find her on Facebook. And um, it is an important conversation to be had, a lot to learn from this. Um, so do, do make that connection. And in the meantime, I wish you all a ketiva v'chatima tova, a happy, healthy, sweet new year. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes. 
leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.